the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. Hello, hello. I'm oh, Emily. You're <laughs> with my husband, Jim, who preemptively said hello to you. <laughs> hello, Jim Anger. Hey, baby. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing fine. We're in we're in December. Christmas in December. time is here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, tell me something about your Christmases growing up. Give me give me a classic Jim Anger, Mark Anger story. Okay. I think I've mentioned in sermons here and there that I was a super, super careful Christmas list writer. I'd get mm-hmm. use the Sears wish book and my list for Santa. My my parents were deep believers in the Santa Claus in the sense that like don't let them know that it's mm-hmm. not real. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing, the milk and cookies the night before, I, I, I sniffed it out at a fairly young age. And by the, by the time I was using the Sears wish book, like those old catalogs, giving page and item numbers to Santa <laughs> <laughs> that I turned in via my parents, I, I knew something was up. Mark was the opposite where he would either not do a Christmas list or be very haphazard or not think about it. it. It would be stuff that he wouldn't really want. So on Christmas Day, year after year, I was always very happy with my presents because I had selected them. Mark was the opposite, but never put together the fact that it was a problem that he could actually fix himself. One year, Mark got nervous that he hadn't put in his time with it, with his Christmas list. So on Christmas Eve night, he wrote a letter to Santa with with a different this Christmas is, list classic. saying, Santa, I know it's late, but I really, really believe in you. And I, I here's my real list yeah, right now. Yeah, the elves just can't handle that kind yeah. of thing. And Santa, Mark crestfallen the next morning, came downstairs to find a letter from Santa saying, hey, there's been some supply chain issues. Oh, <laughs> and, supply chain. <laughs> and... So once again, Mark was unhappy on Christmas morning. Make, wah, your, wah. make, make your list. I, I wonder about our kids. Our kids are going to have kind of warped memories of how Christmas and Christmas lists went. But Why is that? Uh, not warped, but uh, just that it, they have adopted um, some of your like very, very specific yeah. uh, gift <laughs> requests. Don't, don't leave it up to chance. What are we doing here? We are, we are weird gift givers here. Uh, anyway. That is true. Um, Enough of that. Enough of that warm up. Let's let's get to Advent, the real spirit of Christmas. I always uh-huh. I always do have this like um, the conflicting feelings about like the material aspects of Christmas, the the secular traditional aspects of Christmas, and then the spiritual aspects of Christmas. Yeah. Um, and I think there is like some some need for both. Um, in our lives right now. Okay. Um, Advent here, uh, the week, the theme of the week was peace. Um, I feel, I felt like in your sermon it was there implicitly, but maybe not explicitly. I did not 
make a point to weave in that theme to the sermon this yeah, week. Yeah, but I think it was kind of present. I don't know. Maybe sure. I was just like superimposing it. Yeah, I, I I, honestly hadn't thought of that. I could have worked it in at a couple of different points. Just wasn't thinking. Yeah, wasn't I, was, thinking. I was waiting oh, no. for the punchline of like king of peace, like prince of peace, uh, that the king was a peaceful king and not a like oh, yeah. Russian czar. In this king. Advent season, we it, celebrate dude. Jesus. I Not only King of point. Kings, now but I'm also very Prince of Peace. <laughs> oh, man. What a missed opportunity. Yeah. I'll, I'll take a mulligan on that one. It, but, put but it in your notes for the next time we preach this in 10 years. Right. Whatever that is. Done. Um, okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> what a bah humbug to start yeah. the podcast. Well, it is the, like, in the beginning here, the widest sermon, widest Sunday called mm-hmm. Stormy Monday. Um, yeah, like, I really thought it was that the Advent the structure of the sermons was Mm -hmm. revolving around the advent themes so you're no (laughs) (laughs) i never said that even i'm so confused okay it's like an implicit thing like last week was hope this week is. it was just a coincidence (laughs) i didn't i said that it was just a coincidence last week in the podcast i think but i'm but i'm sorry to burst your bubble and helen wolves if if you if you were destroyed hearing <laughs> what you thought was deeply intentional, it's all a matter of happenstance. I'm just, I don't know I'm, what I can I'm tell you. I'm a little bit speechless, so. Okay. <laughs> well, let's jump in then. What what exactly was the the burden or the message or like the the underlying? Why did you choose this passage? I know you talked about it being a messianic, right. going through the messianic. Yep. Um, but why this particular one, this particular Sunday? Yeah. So this is an Advent series, so Christmas and Advent was not totally off my radar when I was constructing the sermon, just for the record. And thinking about Genesis chapter 49, Jesus as king, and the sermon writing process for this past week, um, I wouldn't say that I necessarily spent more time writing than, than normal, but one of my stuck points towards the beginning is that thinking about Jesus as king, especially from this passage that has some really great imagery in it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily aim to fill in a lot about the life and ministry of Jesus as Mm. king specifically. Mm -hmm. So the interpretive thing is, well, yeah, Jesus comes from this royal line, but besides that, what do you do with it? Mm -hmm. And and where do you go? How do you deploy it? How do you apply it? Right. So I was kind of sitting there thinking, like, I don't really know how to energize for sermon purposes the concept of Jesus as king. And that's what kind of gave me the idea to go in the other direction and say, maybe part of my being stuck about not knowing what to do sermonically with Jesus as king Mm -hmm. might be because we really don't have a ton of categories for thinking about what a king is. And so that was the the unlock point of the sermon writing process. We're not British. Um, we are not British. I, yeah, and there are some people who like really do kind of still uh, enjoy the monarchy. I think they enjoy the gossip more than the like, especially right now, like Queen Elizabeth. Do you mean like Americans or yeah. British people? Both probably. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't have the finger on the pulse of Britain's people. <laughs> tell me, tell me, what do the Brits think about the monarchy right now? Um, but I think it is true that probably built into American um, ideology, like across the board is an anti-king sentiment. Yeah. (laughs) It's in our history somewhere. Um, Okay. But so in like 
that's a broad the broad uh, key that unlocked it. What was the like heart issue you wanted to bring out or uh, address? If Jesus is king, we need to live like it, and that's what hopefully I was driving towards mm -hmm. as the sermon went on. And Eric, when he preaches, also on some of these same things from the Book of Numbers this coming week. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to that, living okay. under King Jesus. That's what I was burdened by this week. Great. Nice. Um, can we move on to Sun Studios? Yes, please. Uh, the specific passage. Let's let's unpack Genesis, Genesis 49. Right. Um, tell us about this specific passage. Yeah, like I said in the sermon itself, this is one of the 12 blessings that Jacob gives to his sons at the end of the, the book of Genesis. And... There's not a whole lot of interpretive payoff, really, with any of those other 11. I'm not all scripture is God-breathed and profitable, but by far the most important of these 12 blessings, these 12 words of blessing, is specifically to Judah, who will have pride of place among everybody else. I didn't mention in the sermon, but it is a little bit interesting and at the very beginning of the passage, Jacob says, I'm going to tell you about what's going to happen in days to come. Jacob speaking prophetically, which the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'm thinking off the top of my head here, at the very least, don't do a lot of prophesying. I'm trying to think of other instances where, 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 where that even happens. So it is a little bit interesting that Jacob ends his life on a, on a prophetic note, mm -hmm. but that, that's what happens. And this is one of those passages I mentioned that was considered messianic, pointing sure. forward to the messianic. And Messiah, by the way, in the Hebrew language means anointed one. So sometimes in sermons you'll hear me put those things together. The Messiah, the anointed one, that's actually just how you translate Messiah from, okay. from, from, the, from the original. But yeah, the anointed one, the Messiah, and talking and about Jesus. being another specific king. Right, yeah. Yep, for sure. Like like David's being being anointed by by Samuel and and so on. And if in traditional Christian theological circles, Jesus is often considered through the three offices of prophet, priest, and king. Mm -hmm. Like you just said, um, Messiah, the Anointed One, ties more closely with king than it does prophet and priest because that anointing right. is part and parcel with the idea of a royal line mm -hmm. and a king. And so. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's cub, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So this started the royal line looking ahead. David himself, when he was made king, when Nathan's prophesying to him, when God is speaking to David in 2 Samuel 7, it was never even about King David from the very beginning. It was mm -hmm. about King David and David's seed, David's offspring that would come after that. And this is one of the key early passages in the Bible that carves out that direction. The lineage, the, the uh, stump of Jesse. Or yeah, like, yeah, right. Yep. Um, moving, moving forward. Yeah, and if, or just with the stump of Jesse, real quick, um, that that that's from Isaiah. So later on, so that mm -hmm. that image there carries, or not not su super super much much but later. It's a but it's a resonance of this right. particular yep. passage. It, it, it that's also looking back, looking back here, and I, I enjoyed preaching from this passage, and this was part of the point of the sermon series. 
uh, Stump of Jesse or a couple like, like Isaiah, Wonderful Counselor, mm -hmm. Mighty God, etc. Yeah, those are more common. I think even for a lot of Christians, they, and I imagine for people listening to the sermon, these are new verses to them. Uh, maybe they've read through the Bible at oh, some point uh, and come across it. But even if you've read through Genesis, this might not catch your eye about, hey, this is a messianic text, mm -hmm. but it is. Were there lions in the Middle East? There were. So I, the... <laughs> I, this was not even a, like the way you answered that made me feel, feel like it sounded like a setup where I was like, <laughs> going to ask you this question, but it really just came to my brain. Yeah. Well, I, I did have that same thought because the in the commentary work that I did for this passage, a couple different commentaries said that throughout the ancient Near East, uh -huh. lions way back then even were considered the, the, prime animal and right. and the the lion was majestic and regal but i actually had the same thought like are there actually lions in yeah. judah if lions are king of the jungle uh -huh. well i guess you have lions and this is why people tune into post <laughs> news for, for, for kingdom animalia taxonomy the i guess you have lions in like the savannah in africa mm -hmm. so more 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 arid climates so let's assume that this well, image, Judah's lion's yeah. cub, has has some play in Israelite culture as well, or else it wouldn't make sense. And, and I mentioned, too, that within verse 9, Judah's lion's cub, from the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as a lioness. Mm -hmm. who, who dares to rest him? There are three different, so there, lion, yeah, three different words for, for lion. <laughs> Must have been around somewhere if you have multiple yeah. words for for lion and going a little bit deeper on on that image the commentators will say picture a lion that has just slaughtered its prey sated itself on the flesh and is now in repose and even in repose lions are regal and terrifying oh, yeah, it's kind of true at the zoo there's like there's a there's a cage where the lions can come right up to or a glass wall uh -huh. and it is when they when they do kind of um like the the happenstance of them actually walking right by you it is pretty um i don't know what the word is viscerally like wow this this creature is pretty majestic yeah i I actually read recently, I think it was a longer article in The Atlantic about Siegfried and Roy. Do you remember those two? The, yes. The, uh -huh. the, the, yeah. the, the people in Vegas. Yeah. And so I, I know a lot more now than oh, I did lions. a couple of weeks ago. It, more about tigers. <laughs> oh, was it a tiger? Not <laughs> yeah, a lion? Okay. Mauled, yeah, mauled yeah. by a tiger. Okay. I, I, yeah. Siegfried was, or maybe Roy was. Yeah. Point being, mauling. And they're, whether lion or tiger, uh -huh. kind of. Gotta, gotta I do careful. kind of wonder if it's like not in American consciousness as much or uh, some research I was doing like the lion came up as a symbol of of identity for Saudi Arabians more than oh, any that's other right, country when you were doing that, that yeah, research so, project for your old job right so um I yeah the idea that lion is more prevalent in the Middle Eastern minds is interesting to me but this is a definitely a tangent so <laughs> let's move on <laughs> Uh, Let me this, bring up this Bible passage. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing here before we move on to uh -huh. muddying the waters. I didn't go into this at all during the sermon, but if you look at different English translations, uh, they're going to vary pretty widely about verse 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the nations. That part about 
until tribute comes to him is that's one of the most difficult parts of a verse in all of the Hebrew scriptures to to translate, both in terms of meanings of words, mm-hmm. and there's also a question of transcription history. So the text criticism, where you try to figure out what was in the original, there's a question about what it was. In original Hebrew, vowels are assumed more than actually written out, right. and based on the vowels and different ancient texts will assign the vowels in different ways. Mm-hmm. It, sometimes it's tribute, sometimes it's a verb, sometimes it's a noun, mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. it's a personal noun, sometimes it's a place. A lot of verses will talk about Shiloh. And you just have to with, guess or logic through. Right. And so, so it is pretty fascinating, but it's a rabbit hole that I chose, chose, like your chose not classes. to address. <laughs> and I'm, I was comfortable enough doing the, just what, the version we use, the English Standard Version, until tribute comes mm-hmm. to him, which some scholars say is the best reading, others others don't, but I just kind of went with it, so it's not to get super, super nerdy. But I do love how at the very end of the Bible, if towards the beginning, a uh, lion shall come from the tribe of Judah, we have in Revelation 5, one of the elders saying to John, vision of the end, talking about Jesus, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it carries through yeah. all the way to the end where Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, looking back on this passage. But then that Revelation verse is really cool because not only does it go back to Genesis 49, lion of Judah, but it connects it forward with mm-hmm. root of David. So it all comes together there. Good job by John, the writer of <laughs> the book of Good Revelation. Good job, Bible. Yeah. <laughs> worth your time people (laughs) um okay moving on to muddying the waters then uh and although that was kind of a that was kind of uh you're telling me about some difficult uh interpretation Um, yeah that's kind of like the difficulty constructing the sermon too but fair enough um what else what else well what else were you trying to address here i i do see a lot of like um addressing our american suspicion of authority yep um suspicion of kings yeah, so, so that's where I really wanted to, to drive. So, mm-hmm. and nothing, nothing crazy about the, the construction of the sermon. First, building from these verses, creating a little bit of a positive idea about what King Jesus is or the type of regal figure that is outlined by Genesis chapter 49, Judah to come. But then ask the question, hey, not only do we not have a whole lot of categories for thinking about kings, but we're actually kind of suspicious of power being wielded by an individual in a monarchical or better, a dictatorial way. So mm-hmm. just tried to tackle both both the authority problem and, and the autonomy problem mm-hmm. uh, that is within and around us as we think about, as we think about kings. I, I did try to be clear and say that for those of us maybe deeply that do have authority problems, I didn't want to come down harshly in the sense of like, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. Because I think there are so many examples of people misusing power and authority in so many different ways. So I I hope I sounded empathetic to that reluctance, but it's the two sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. where we are deeply suspicious in some ways that are proper of power and authority 
But it's, on the other hand, too easy just to say, well, let's just get rid of authority. There's no authority now because I just re reject, the, right. reject the, the very concept. That's what happened to crypto. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. It's that, that, that type of thinking has, has gone the way of Bitcoin. Yeah, so let's just be honest. And some more explicitly in their thoughts. Others, it's more of a buried thing. We, we do give and assign quote-unquote authority somewhere, whether it's a scholar or a school of thought or a political party or an internet influencer or an entertainer or an athlete where we really want to, a people group, friends, mm -hmm. we really want to align here. And functionally speaking, we are giving measures of authority right, to those to other things. people. So authority is inescapable. Mm -hmm. And then the whole idea about there's no authority above me, it's just me, there's actually a hidden arrogance there. Mm -hmm. as, it's not so hidden well. even necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, and that's that that that's not a way out either. I think the deepest the deepest fatal flaw there is that you if you really examine yourself you know that you're not the greatest authority um, right. or human human nature in general. Like I did just mention crypto again as a, but that it was a, like, we don't want authority. We want, we can self-regulate. And the reality is like, no, like authority might be imperfect and they also might be corrupt. But the whole point is that humans do not self-regulate. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> there is like corruption like sure. in internally, um, yep. whatever your vice is. Yeah. There. So so for people that are still weighing Christianity, or if there are Christians out there listening to Howling Wolves that, that are having having some doubts about whether or not this is a real story, uh, as in the scriptures or Christianity, is mm -hmm. it true? One of the things that I keep going back to is that the Bible, more accurately than any other source text, mm -hmm. accurately describes the mess yeah. Of, of humanity, both internally and externally. It doesn't put all of the eggs in either of those baskets. The problem is inside of us versus the problem is around us. Mm -hmm. It's both, it's of a piece, and Jesus has come to redeem both the inside and the outside. Right, because the reality is we also do want an authority that is perfect. Like, we want a King Jesus. Like, yeah. internally, even if it's not, you're not coming from a Christian perspective, there's, like, an internal desire that... We have a leader who like is in charge and is is acting graciously mm -hmm. and justly and yeah. um, has resources. Um, we 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 do kind of crave that. Yeah, one example of that that I'll hear hear people say that indicates that yes, we do want a king as long as the king is good. There are some specific examples in my mind. I I won't name them. But and picture friends of yours who over the years would say, I have a really great boss. Mm -hmm. um, and or there are plenty of counterexamples <laughs> where people slag on their bosses because, sure. because their bosses are bad. But when you hear somebody talking about their boss, whether, whether you're a, a teacher and it's your principal or a mm -hmm. doctor with a hospital administrator, whatever it is, when you have a good boss you're really, really thankful for the power and authority that that, mm -hmm. that boss yields because that makes your job so much easier. Right. And you're not 
with with a boss that's really really great empowers you in all the right ways you're not complaining about the nature of power and authority you're saying this is awesome mm -hmm. how much more is jesus who is holy good and holy gracious uh, a better king a, a better king that 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 we need yeah that's awesome that's what we're looking for yeah one final thing here unless you have anything more um nope. i i did sneak into the end of the sermon that martin luther king jr mm -hmm. quote and did want to highlight as we think about autonomy and hey we're not going to listen to anybody the kids just telling their parents reflexively no which parents in the room i i saw a lot of like smiling nodding faces <laughs> uh for parents that have had little kids go go through that 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 stage oh just little kids yeah exactly <laughs> the, it is a position of some privilege from which we'll say hey we don't want any power authority over us mm -hmm. and when we're when we're disempowered uh, we'll want to be more empowered ourselves but for that to happen we'll need an external power mm -hmm. that will lift us up so let's 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 be aware of how our perspectives change and shade how we think about authority and and power if if you're on the bottom you want you want a good king one way or another right good stuff dude yep there um, we go moving on to bar band cover tunes we're, we're really moving today yeah. baby. um we are i don't know why that is <laughs> i'm yeah anyway i i could comment but i won't okay. so you started with confederacy of dunces which i've seen i've seen you read be reading for the past <laughs> month or so like yeah. here and there right um i'm tempted to pick it up would well, i like it uh, <laughs> i have ceased attempting to handicap books that you would like versus versus not like i i do highly recommend it it is it is episodic where mm -hmm. It's a it's a picaresque, uh, different different vignettes all centered around Ignatius Riley, with with situations and stunts that become mm -hmm. more and more preposterous as he's just at the center of chaos yeah. when he really thinks he's trying to impose order on everything. It is the most laugh out loud funny book that I've, I've never I've read ever a laugh read. out loud book. You? I mean, I've never laughed out loud while reading a book. Never. I don't think so. Okay. Every once in a while, I'll I'll chortle. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> but, yeah, but, but what, it, who is I the original like Ignatius? Laughing. What do you mean? The name Ignatius. Uh, there's a Saint Ignatius. Yeah. That's, yeah. Like, what is the story behind that name? No, you don't have it. I got nothing. Okay. You're not Catholic. Right. <laughs> got it. Yeah, but but Ignatius Riley. It did grow up in New Orleans in the Catholic tradition, so uh -huh. not a coincidence yeah. that that he bears this okay. this Catholic name. And the I'll I'll read the quote one more time, just okay. just because I like it. Let's do it. Ignatius's mom says, "Ignatius, you sure you're not a communist?" And communist is written differently than like the standard mm -hmm, English mm -hmm. communist. Oh no, Ignatius bellowed. Every day I'm suggested to a McCarthy witch hunt in this crumbling home. No. I told you before, I am not a fellow traveler. What in the world has put that into your head? What I want is a good, strong monarchy with a tasteful and decent king who has some knowledge of theology and geometry and to cultivate a rich inner life. <laughs> what a... He's a guy. He's a... He's, what a blowhard. Yeah, he, he has a lot to say. And I, I did appreciate a couple conversations after church. I'll say that 
when I, at the beginning of the service, or let off the sermon with, with Confederacy of Dunces, and I asked, has anybody read it before? Mm -hmm. There were maybe five or six hands mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That, that, that went up, had a couple fun conversations about Confederacy of Dunces after church, and one other guy that I didn't talk to texted me a picture on Sunday afternoon uh -oh. of a snap that he took of the Ignatius J. Riley statue on Canal Street in, in New Orleans. <laughs> oh, nice. Which, and so, so the beginning of Confederacy of Dunces starts uh -huh. in front of the now defunct D.H. Holmes department. So did they have D.H. Holmes when uh -uh, you were in no. San Antonio? Nope. D.H. Holmes department store on Canal Street close to the river in New Orleans. And there is now a statue of of Ignatius. So nice. Rocky. We have, I was going to say that. We have uh -huh. the Rocky statue. <laughs> they have the Ignatius statue. Both are tragic figures who Ignatius win feels through a, losing. Ignatius feels a little bit more literary, like more uh, high high culture, highbrow. It's a movie. Um, they have different speech why patterns. Can't Rocky you do, and why can't you do a New Orleans accent? Good question. So it a New Orleans. Uh, I mean, there are very there are a lot of them too. There's there Cajun. Are, oh, there's, okay, um, maybe this is my theory. Then you yeah. actually could attempt it, and it would be just as good as any of your other accents. But you are so like aware of how terrible your your accent would be oh, if it was true. New Orleans that you you actually won't even try. But like your Philly accent, you'll go for it because <laughs> you don't you don't care enough. <laughs> Yeah, so, 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 so maybe I'm as equally adept, whatever my baselines are, with the New Orleans accent than other ones, but I just care more and don't want to. Yeah, wanna, I don't want to sell it. Think, I think that would probably be the case. That's yeah. my guess. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's a New Orleans phrase. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> around then, you were talking about Nick Offerman and Parks and Rec, Ignatius yeah. being the. LeBron right. Swanson. Yeah, so you can go online, you can find clips of Nick Offerman that he he uses a higher pitched voice. It's very good. He uses a higher pitched voice than what I picture in my head when I, I hear Ignatius Bellow, but it is what it is. Um there's a there's a there's a person wandering around Liberty Collingswood who reminds me of a Park and Rec character and she actually identifies also with that Parks and Rec character but I won't say who it is. Oh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask you um, offline. That's, that's a fun fact. Uh, the crowd, you were, you hummed Hamilton. Oh yeah. Which um, Clara smiled at. Da, 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 da. Uh, da, 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 the crown. Da, da, da. Right. Have you read, have you watched The Crown? I watched most of the first season. I I really liked really? it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was one of my shows with with Mike uh, oh, right, that right, right, right. he lost interest in. Would but... I like it? <laughs> oh, that's a different podcast, baby. <laughs> Does Emily like it? Would be a great podcast feed. I don't know if I'd want to host that, but I'd listen. <laughs> the Crown. Um, what else did you? Reference well, in that let's little see, from, from Bible, 2 Samuel 7, mm -hmm. the establishment of the Davidic throne via Nathan, Revelation 5, the Lion of Judah. Mention Philippians 2, that, that great narrative arc of Jesus emptying himself, becoming humility. obedient to death on a uh, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross, and then being raised again. Uh, from Christendom, Rusty George. 
mm-hmm. better together, discovering the power of, 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 of community. Jesus is willing to empower those that are not worthy of his power. So there's right. a power idea there and also a grace idea that I really like. Mm-hmm. Mark Sayers, the Australian, talking about how the average Westerner is a radical individualist who is deeply afraid of compromising their autonomy. You didn't try the Australian accent. <laughs> Paul Hogan, Crocodile Dundee, where are you? And yeah, I think the you could even say, and Sayers may have said this at other points, I don't remember off the top of my head, compromising one's autonomy in this cultural moment can be considered the cardinal sin. That's the one thing mm-hmm. that you cannot do. That's true. Also, okay. Martin Luther King. This The quote that I pulled about the creative force in the universe working to pull down the gigantic mountains of evil, a power that is able to make a way out of no way and transform dark yesterdays into bright tomorrows. Mm -hmm. The name of that speech or sermon, I'm not sure, is where do we go from here? I think it's Mm -hmm. the same speech. I'd have to go back and check. That includes the phrase about the moral arc of the universe bending towards justice. Mm -hmm. So that was... That was a great quote. Yeah. I thought that was a good um, finisher. Thanks. And then... Thanks, MLK. (laughs) (laughs) And and then also, I was happy to get an MCU reference in there. I I negatively quoted something that Captain America said. Uh So I I thought that was very brave of me. But when Cap says the safest hands are still our own, mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, Cap. Mm, no, not yeah, really. Right, yeah. So that goes back, M, to what you said earlier about... We're not really... We're not great self-regulators. Yeah. Nope. Not me, at least. Even <laughs> even if you have the super soldier serum. Okay, then. That was actually, like, a deeper... Like, it's been a while since Civil War, so... Since, like since you've seen it? it since, it hap- since it was... Uh, since it happened, since it... Yeah. That was something like phase two. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, Marvel. Um, there was there were some more, but I think that that kind of wraps it up. Yep. Yes. Um, any leftovers, guitar slim pickings? I was gonna make a joke when I read the Ignatius quote. I was gonna say, picture the most overeducated, pompous unwittingly silly voice that you can think of as I read this quote to you. And I was going to go on to say, maybe for some of you in this room, you think, well, Jim, that's just your voice. (laughs) And if so, you're in luck because I'm going to read this quote right now. But I thought that would be too much much of a selfie. Yeah. 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 I I probably, that's a good idea. Look at me. I'm (laughs) self-editing all these years. Um, Any other parts? Things that you wish... Guitar Slim Pickens... You wish that you could redo adding Prince of Peace. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yep. I th- there are churches that, before they post sermons, uh-huh. will do some post-production. And, oh, yeah, you uh, could do that. And, and edit in, edit out online. a little bit. They, they also do that for, for podcasts. Did, did you know... Yeah. That... Our podcast is really under-edited <laughs> compared to... What a lot of people do. Uh, yeah, a friend, I guess this was a, was a few months ago now, but with some of the really high-end, hugely listened to podcasts, mm-hmm. they'll edit out pauses that mm-hmm, go too mm-hmm. long, stutters, stammers, yep. restating stuff, and it's just Tighter. really like smoothed out. It's not us. That's true. Unless 
yeah, someone wants to edit out there, we're happy to let you. <laughs> uh, turnaround time would be an issue. Okay. <laughs> One final thing with guitar slim pickings about how we think about the monarchy. I read, I think just yesterday, an article by an uh, author and journalist named Caitlin Flanagan, who's who's been around for a while, and I've enjoyed reading her journalism and essays really for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And she wrote at least what was to my ears, having read a lot of her over time, the snarkiest and nastiest thing that she's ever, uh-huh. that she, the most mean thing that she's ever written, and it was about King Charles. Oh, man. <laughs> It's not that bad. About how he's he's no Queen Queen Elizabeth. Um. And and so Caitlin Flanagan, who overall for me is a very kind writer. Right, right, right. The the monarchy. There's something about us Americans and Mm -hmm. and our fascination. Right. And it's not only British like uh, the Kingdom of Qatar, there were some issues involving the there, there were some issues involving the world. Oh, maybe I should have should have gone in that direction. I didn't think of it, but yeah. It's you're too Eurocentric. Yeah. Are there kings in the rest of the world? Um, do oh, the man. kings drink beer? Um, oh. <laughs> can we move on? Anything else? No, let's, let's just sit with that one for a second. <laughs> Holland Wolves, I know there was a note from my sister. <laughs> yes, so thanks once again to Holland Wolf Cami. I, I don't have the email out, and you can always email in to right. blues at gmail.com. My sister sent me a bacon recipe because last week I asked for one, but I will say that I basically do that. I, I, I mean, like maybe, I don't know. There were a couple of things understand. I don't do. And I still kill the bacon. It doesn't, like I undercook some of it. It's overcooked in other ways, shrunken in some parts. It's not <laughs> correct. So I do oven bake my bacon, doesn't work. I saute my bacon, doesn't work. <laughs> Microwave my bacon, does not work. All the recipes, I have used recipes. It doesn't work. I can't do it. Casa Anger, where, where bacon goes <laughs> to die. But thank you, Cammy, for writing in. Let's, yeah, I make many let, things let, that Cammy makes that don't turn out the way that Cammy's turn out. Ne- next time I'm doing breakfast duty with bacon, I will use that recipe and let you know. Will you, though? Because you last time I made ba- oven bacon, you were like, what's this oven? Like, you were saying, I'd rather do it by hand, each individual slice. But it wasn't Cammy's recipe. Okay. Any other hellebolts? <laughs> that was a squealing pig right there. I just can't cook bacon. Kill the pig, slit its throat, drink its blood. That is a weird book. Yeah. I guess there's nothing else. Hellebolts are silent. Turtle doves <laughs> are silent because we don't know what they are. Um, I think that's all. <laughs> Sick in the landing. Yeah. Advent stuff. Do you have any Advent announcements? We have the there was the um, Foster the Family. Oh yeah, track 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 with uh, Advent devotionals. And this past Sunday was the first week where Eric went into more detail about mm-hmm. Foster the Family, the for others Christmas campaign this year. Gift and supply baskets or bags or packages for families that uh, the day that they take in foster adoptive child it's there yeah. for him it's a, it's a really great really great ministry we're trying to raise seventy five hundred dollars mm-hmm. for 75 of those packages hopefully great. we exceed we knocked it out of the park last year yeah. with the young lives campaign hopefully we'll do similarly this year let's do it 
Yes. <laughs> okay. And with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem, production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, You're I, just confident. You can see it now. Or I can, you can just see it. I, I, I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs>